Shumrabyug. Michael and Benjamin's Journal, October 21st, 2019. Hollywood pop culture media, full of liberals, fornicators, and possible homosexuals. Ben, the only opinion I can trust, must speak to Ben. I've done a bit. <laughs> it's I've done a little bit, Ben, and <laughs> I was I was you see I, didn't I was expect that. I know I was Rorschach. You see, that that's was very the, good, very that good was a twist. That will all become uh, apparent and justified in about yeah. Look, let's 10 just to fifteen. Shall minutes. we just very quickly point out those those aren't my opinions? <laughs> yeah, uh, make it's it a, not in fact a. Uh, it's a it's a reference. A right-wing meme lord. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to stick in the theme music, Ben, and then we'll just get down to it? Theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have any theme music. Now, the real question, Ben, is did I put in the old theme music or the new theme music? Oh, such suspense. I'll only, have to wait till Monday to find out. Only Ooh. the listeners will ever know. Benjamin. Because I don't listen to our podcast. You don't listen, do you, Ben? <laughs> the only way you're going to know is if someone emails you going, what the hell was that new theme music? That was awful. <laughs> Benjamin. Yes. Look, listen, it's a bit of a sparse news for a week. No, <laughs> it's a bit of a sparse week for news. No, you nailed it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of a drought, a bit of a, a news drought. Yeah. Um, so it's not great. I think you might be a bit far from your mic. I might be a bit far from my yeah, mic. Yeah, use your face to push we'll your pop filter in a bit. Ooh. There you go. That'll do it. Give it a squishy scratch yeah. there. Uh, it's a bit of a sparse week for news. Not a lot what, going what, on. What bloody news is there, though? Well, you and I, Michael, are great fans of, of Samurai Jack. Yeah. And creator of Samurai Jack, Kennedy Taratovsky, has a new series coming out on Sci-Fi Channel. What's it called? It's called Bloody Primal, Michael. Like Bloody yourself. Primal. Bit like Bloody yourself. No, Bloody just Primal. Primal. Right. Just Primal. Um, bit like yourself. Oh, thanks. Amazon Primal. Um, so we're going with that. And uh, it looks like he's taking everything that people love about his kind of style, Samurai artwork, Jack. show, Samurai Jack, and pushing it to its nth degree. I watched a quick interview with him where he walked us through kind of the philosophy of the show and the, the show Bible, I suppose. And there's not going to be a lot of talking, Michael. It's going to be basically those long, beautiful scenes from Samurai Jack where he trekked through the wilderness and occasionally come across some robots yeah. and have to take them on or in spook. utter silence. Yeah. Um, and he's pushing that to an nth degree with, with Primal. The main character is called... The, the main humanoid character is called Spear and the main dinosaur character is called Fang. And he's described it as a buddy cop movie. In a really strange savage land. About a, not, but not the savage land, not, TM Marvel Comics. We'll have less of that. We'll have less of that. No, we won't see Kazar. We won't see that. Or Shanna the She-Devil. I think it's roughly that kind of world. Conan meets Shanna the She-Devil. Meets. Uh, meets. The savage land. Meets the savage land. But we, we can't say that. Because that's a man on a dinosaur. That's against the rules. Um, but there's some blood, Michael, which Ooh. sets it apart from his previous work. Although season five of Samurai Jack finally went bloody. Did it? Uh, yes. It looks like maybe Gennady got uh, a taste of of taste mature of content from his time with Adult Swim. Oh. And he's now just going to do that in all of his things. He won't be the first person to ever acquire a bit of a taste for mature. If you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think that's a sly dig at me, Michael. But, it? Uh, it wasn't that sly. Look, I gave you a little I'm not going <laughs> to shy away from that, Michael. I'm an equal opportunist. Um, if you or anyone you know would like to apply no <laughs> please don't please absolutely 100% don't 
please do um, not email me to contact it, Ben. It looks like one of the more interesting things that's going to happen with Primal is the art style has shifted significantly. There's a very scratchy texture to the line movement, a much more organic feel to it, which would set itself apart from the the kind of flash neatness, the the minimalist shape style of Samurai Jack. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Michael. It'll be funny because I doubt it's hand drawn, so it'll no, be an effort not. to recreate a scratchy penness. Almost, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, not that it won't have. You know, I'd say a lot of the sketch work is just going to be used as an overlay and stuff like that. I mean, Disney kind of pioneered this new style of scratch over digital um, with their wonderful short in 2012, Paperman. So Never I'd heard say, of it. I'd say there's probably a lot of techniques out there now that allow people to, to build their block in digital form and then overlay with that lovely scratchy texture. That people ben, you're throwing a lot of phrases love. at me that I don't know. That's fine. People didn't listen and know. They know. Will they? They know. A lot Probably of people not. who listen to this Ben say, "Look, I enjoy, I enjoy the energy and the and the and the content, but I have no idea what Fucking you're talking hate about." Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is it. Hate Ben. Get rid of him. Bring back Rachel, Shane, literally anybody. Literally anybody. Get rid of Ben. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to bury that uh, really bad feeling now. I'm just going <laughs> to push it down. Push it down and get rid of it. But I am looking forward to seeing it. Um, I think if anyone can do a series where dialogue is basically on the back burner for the entire thing it's Kennedy Taratovsky mm-hmm. um, I think the man has a an affinity and a love affair with animation and I think he's going to push it to a, a whole new level Speaking Ben of taking bad emotions and pushing them down and burying them and that never turning out badly yeah, no, The Joker's just... doing quite well <laughs> That is one of my favourite segues that you've ever it's, done on the podcast it's a, solid segue. Yeah, it's a solid segue It's doing quite well Ben It is This weekend it is going to pass Justice League at the box office <laughs> Shock Isn't that good um, Yeah it is actually quite good Despite um, Jared Leto Trying to sabotage it Why what's he been doing Apparently he spent The whole time in pre-production Now this is probably Just Hollywood Jibba jabba Ben But he spent a lot of the time Trying to get them To not make it Jared Leto just seems Like an awful dick bag Doesn't he Yeah <laughs> I know just, that was the tone of voice When you're going to say Something else But He, nah. he just yeah. seems like A bit of a prick Yeah Yeah Bloody Jared, look. I've nothing to say to the family. Uh, there was a report this week that he's officially out of, of the DC universe. He's officially been ousted. He's not going to be in The Suicide Squad? Dose. No, it's just called The Suicide Squad. Oh, is it? Yeah. Because oh, it's kind of a reboot. Soft reboot? Soft reboot. Soft reboot. Yeah. I suppose those hard reboots. Yeah, that, I think. That you feel know. ashamed about after you watch them. Exactly. I don't know if it's called The Suicide Squad or Suicide Squad. Whichever the other one wasn't called, it's that one. Look, as long as it doesn't have Jared Leto as a fucking joker screaming about how, oh, there's a full movie's worth of footage, it's amazing. Probably isn't, Jared. Probably isn't. Probably Might isn't. Who are we to say? Who are we to say? We don't know. We All care. I know is I want the bloody Schneider cut. To release the Schneider cut? No, you don't. No, I don't. I watched the Schneider cut of another film today. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to that. Bloody hell. You definitely don't want the Schneider cut of anything. Too fucking long. It'll be three and a half hours. Too long. Bloody Schneider. Bloody Schneider. Benjamin, our most popular character from last week was it was Wilhelm Schmidt. Wilhelm Schmidt was are, a surprise hit. People are asking for him to come back. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll try and work him in. Yeah, so look. I can't think of any opportunities to work them in. On a totally unrelated note, Ben, this weekend, guess who went to see Gemini Man? Wilhelm Schmidt? No. No. My friend Jim and I. Your friend Jim and I? No, not you. Oh, okay. You didn't go. I didn't go. You were in the pub. I was I was dosed with uh, Coward's Blood. Coward's Blood. Sprayed with Coward's <laughs> Blood. Another dose of Coward's Blood from um, Ben Coward's Blood Collab. I think it was more alcohol poisoning and blood poisoning. But, um, <laughs> it was my friend Jim and I, and also Shane, but Shane being involved ruins the joke of Jim and... Jim and Gemini. Do you get it? Because Michael, currently, Will Smith has a movie out called Gemini, Gemini Man. Man. And he went to see it. My friend Gemini. And there is there is a passing resemblance between that auditory phrase Gemini. and the movie that you went yeah. to see. 
if we were Jamaican, I would say, hey, Ben, guess who went to see Gemini Man? And I would, I would say, who, man? And I would say, my friend, Gemini Man. Yeah, so you see, nailed it. And we did it without, without being completely racist. <laughs> Nailed it. Do you see? Do you get? Do you see the joke? <laughs> I though, see what it? you did there. Do you see it. I see what you did it's there. It's fine. Anyway, it's all right. Jim and I. How was Jim and I, man? It's fine. At times, been visually spectacular. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I think people aren't going to see it because no. it's because it's a Will Smith vanity project. Part of the Will Smith, the opposite of the Will Smith rena- rena- Renaissance. The Will Smith. I just keep going till they stop paying. I uh, keep. Oh hell no. Nah. Oh uh, hell no! Nah. He does say that a couple of times, but um, it is visually spectacular. Some really? of the best action chase scenes I've ever seen. Some slightly chunky CGI. It'll happen. Did you hear about the technology involved? Quite in a film? bit, from what I understood. It's not a de aging. Oh, young Will Smith is an entirely digital character. Oh, he's like Jar Jar Binks. He was created with oh. motion capture, not de aging. Oh, do we want that? It looks fine because most of the film's dark. Ah. But at the end, they're in daylight and it looks a bit... Boy, oh boy, does it get janky. Shunky and wonky. Yeah. But, yeah, look, the the the, the action is pretty good. The cinematography is spectacular. Um, the plot is by the numbers. The characters are essentially non-existent. Well, that's Will Smith. It, but, I mean, the worst thing about it is the relationship between young Will Smith and old Will Smith is boring. Oh, no. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing. They're both thing. boring. Old Will Smith, boring. Young Will Smith, boring. also boring. Well, Michael, I pitched a, a possible fix for you at the start of the week. I said I would have paid good money to see a Fresh Prince-style yeah. younger Will Smith. If the young Will as, Smith, yeah. <laughs> as young Will from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is like, I won't kill people, man. And then various things like that. I, I would really have enjoyed that version. Also, possibly, as you said, Michael, you gave a wonderful quick cameo uh, for idea for Carlton Not in a tank. Well, Ben, we'll go mildly into spoilers. Mild the, spoilers. Best, the best characters in it are Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Benedict, Benedict Wong. Oh, Benedict Wong is great. And, he, you know, he's famous for playing Wong. Wong, in, in, in which was really a sidestep for him. It went really well. Yeah. Really well for him. Yeah. Um, I remember Benedict Wong more than ever. Because of the IT episode where Moss becomes a countdown, street countdown champion. Very good episode. Great episode of Countdown. That has a lot of future Marvel stars in it. That episode also has Gemma Chan. Yeah, Gemma Chan's in there as uh, the woman who loves Moss. Yeah. Uh, Lots of future Marvel stars in that episode of the IT crowd. I'm not saying Kevin Feige watches British comedies, but (laughs) Kevin Feige might watch British comedies. He might do. It's amazing Richard Iowati hasn't shown up in a I can't wait. He's going to turn up eventually. He'd be a great Amadeus Cho if Amadeus Cho wasn't an Asian character. I, yeah, if Amadeus Cho wasn't a... He'd be a great nerd Hulk, A 12-year-old Korean. Yeah, I think Richard Iowati could probably play a 12-year-old in some form. He's got the vocal Korean. <laughs> I'd like to see Richard Iowati playing a 12-year-old Korean. I think that would be... I don't know who Chris O'Dowd would be in the Marvel Universe. Chris O'Dowd it. already is in the Marvel Universe. Is he one of the Starfleet or something like that? No, Chris O'Dowd is uh, Jane Foster's date in Thor 2. Oh, shit. If you remember... <laughs> I think we've collectively blocked out. Yeah, Gemma Chan's in, in Gemma Chan's in the Marvel Universe twice. 
Yeah, because she's been rebooted to be in the Immortals. Yeah, she's in she's in Captain Marvel and the Immortals the following year. Not the Immortals, the Eternals. Weird. Ash, oh, yeah. fuck it. That's bloody Gemma Chan for you. Popping up everywhere. Popping up everywhere. Gemma uh, Chan. Richard Ioadi. Gemma Chan. Uh, what are we talking about this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gemini Man? We were looking at a Gemini Man fix. We wanted a young Will Smith. Uh, we got talking about the IT crowd because Benedict Wong came up Benedict Wong. somewhere. If Gemma Chan's two characters... Met each other in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Would it implode? You could call it Gemini Chan. That'd be pretty funny. So on that note, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, um, yeah, it's been a sparse week for news. <laughs> it has. We've had to ramble for twelve and a half minutes. We didn't do too badly. Yeah, it was just mostly nonsense. I didn't think we'd get this far. Benjamin, go on. The big popular culture this news this week, and it's why I did a slightly racist lead-in. I hope people understood that that was part of the fiction is that the new TV series, is it HBO? HBO. Yes. The Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof, the writer, producer. Smokey Bears. Who's Smokey Bears? Smokey Bears. What's that? It's Damon Lindelof's favourite um, screenwriting technique. Big clouds of smoke and polar bears. Oh, I get you. You're going to have to explain that, Ben. <laughs> uh, he wrote Lost, and Lost is famous for weird twists that don't make any sense, really, and don't really add to a plot. And two of the twists are there's a big cloud of smoke chasing people around, there's a bloody bear. Why is there a bear? Uh, it never explained. What's wrong with your voice? I don't know. It's <laughs> you really become Rorschach. Uh, I always saw you. Bear, more. smoke, I no logic. You, I always saw you more as a night owl. I, I am a bit of a night owl, bloody cook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's be careful, because, you know... Ben, they say they say about podcasting, every episode is someone's first episode. So we don't want to attract the wrong crowd with this People episode. Literally, we're going to see a spike in viewership from bloody Alabama. Yeah, it's um, um, Steve anyway, look, Bannon's going to wonder if we want to run for president. I don't know who Steve Bannon is. You do know who Steve I, Bannon I is. I genuinely don't. It's like this week you've been replaced by someone who has references that I don't understand. What's going <laughs> it's very on? very entertaining. Who's Steve Bannon? Steve Bannon is the guy that made Donald Trump president. No, that was Vladimir Putin. Well, he worked with Steve Bannon. Did he? Yeah, Steve Bannon is the guy that runs Breitbart News. He owned Breitbart News. Oh. And he's the guy that Breitbart News kind of ousted because he was too crazy. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll give you a rough wow. idea who Steve Bannon is. He'd, he'd be a Rorschach supporter. In, in, to use a reference that many people on this podcast might enjoy, mm-hmm. he is, uh, to the King of Rohan, what Wormwood was. Um, so he's the Wormwood <laughs> to the US presidential election in 2016. He's the guy that whispers vile nothings into people's ears and turns them to evil. Worm tongue. Worm tongue. Wormwood. Worm tongue. It's all the same. It's all the same. And on that note, Michael, uh, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> Watchmen. It's coming out. Yeah, on HBO. Is it HBO? It's HBO. Yeah. No, it's definitely HBO. Damien, Damien Lindelof. Damien Lindelof. Damien yes. Lindelof. Who we can't decide if he's great or not because he also wrote one of this podcast's favourite series. Which the Leftovers. Is the Leftovers. Which is pretty great. It, but also based on a novel. Also based on a novel. No, not also based on a novel. Pushed by Sapphire. What? No, uh, never mind. You're just not on it today. Where are all your references from like mid-2000s? That's when I was 30, Ben. I don't care about that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I wasn't 30. Fair enough. I don't think you were 30 in I the mid-2000s. I think I you were much younger than I that. I was Mike. younger than that. But yeah. anyway. Weird that you don't have so many pushed by Sapphire? It's a terrible movie and novel. Never heard of it. Damon Lindelof. Damien Lindelof? I think it's Damon Lindelof. He wrote a lot of Lost, which wasn't based on a novel, but he wrote a lot of The Leftovers, which was based on a novel, and what I'm saying is that's probably why it was good. Damon Lindelof. Damien Lindelof. Yeah, okay, well, that's what we're going to do, because it's a podcast tradition. 
Um, so yeah, maybe the the fact that it's based on a novel gave it a bit of structure, which is what he's often lacking. He does need structure. He, he is pants it. He is structure dependent. It's his whole bag. So anyway, go on. He's doing a TV show, Ben, called Watchmen. Watchmen. The Watchmen, or who watches The Watchmen? We'll be really watching it anyway. We, that's well, for sure. we'll have to because we do a pop culture podcast. You would think that, but we've staunchly avoided both Batwoman and Pennyworth. I think those are two staunchly good choices. That's not you staunchly. <laughs> not but, staunchly. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, look, Ben, it is set, the new TV show, it is set now. In the current world. That's now, Michael. That's 2019. 2019, October 21st, 2019. Good for us. It is set in the current world, Ben. Yes. But if the current world had followed on from the Watchmen of the 80s. Oh, so it's a continuation. It's a continuation, Ben. And I've done a little bit of research for us. Go on. It's a continuation of the comic book, not the film. I mean, that makes sense. That now, reads. We'll, we'll get to why that's important in a moment. Yeah, well, there's a couple of reasons it's important. But, but anyway. Ben, why don't you start by bloody telling us what even is Watchmen? So, Watchmen is divisive, Michael. Before we get any further, I think it's important to take a look at... Um, well, what it is, is it's a comic book that premiered in 1986, September 1986, to be perfectly accurate. And it's written by... A comic book writer that some people consider Alan to be Moore. a god, well, Alan Moore. At least some sort of Who's demon. from Norfolk. And he likes a comic. And it might be real. Because they be are. Real. It might be a curse on you. Or he might just be nuts. I um, don't think he's nuts, Ben. I think Alan Moore is a character that Alan Moore has created. I think that's why he's haven't retiring. We, haven't we talked about this before? Yeah, I think we absolutely. have. There's a whole episode on it somewhere that, in the yeah, backlog there. That Alan Moore is not real. Alan Moore is a character created by Alan Moore. Yeah, I, I think that's... Yeah, I'm on board with that. That's that's fine by me. Loves a good rape in a comic, um, which makes me uncomfortable. Um, he has a, a a poor to middling understanding of how sex works and how Look, relationships work. Ben, um, but we we'll get to talk that. about Alan Moore. We're talking about Watchmen. Anyway, uh, it was by him and Dave Gibbons. Yeah, um, and from the band, um, what band? Gibbons and the Primates. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, anyway, rhythmics. You, you um, keep going, I'll find out where it, it is. Where it is now considered to be a watershed moment for comics in general. Um, the seminal graphic novel. The seminal graphic novel. It's, it's a deconstructionist piece of work, Michael. Um, it takes the tropes, the tried and tested tropes, themes, uh, etc. of comic books, and it, it tears them apart, Michael. Right. It tears them apart. Um, we follow a world that is big on vigilantes, yeah, um, but doesn't have any superpowers, Michael. Um, so you're very much looking at a kind of JSA-style America, Justice Society of America, where everyone is out to do good. But we don't necessarily have any major superpowers at play here. Um, and basically what it does is it takes a look at the actual impact that vigilante justice in a wider spectrum would have on society. Mm-hmm. Um, there is eventually a crackdown, Michael, on the vigilante justice Get out of here, that is going in America. Um, and the reason that crackdown happens is because the first superpowered man, the first ubermensch, yeah. uh, comes into existence known as Dr. Manhattan. Mm. And Dr. Manhattan pretty much has control over all forms of matter. Yeah, and a big blue dangly cock. A big blue dangly cock, because it's, uh, it's Alan Moore. Yeah, and he's in the nude. Um, the artwork is sensational. It's um, really well rendered, really visually thought out stuff. Um sequentially speaking and how it's drawn and put together a really beautiful comic it's very meta um there are lots and lots of side things uh news reports things like that that add to it and um, it there's is a comic within a comic there's a comic within a comic the black 
freighter, freighter um, which is a strange kind of Robinson Crusoe if Robinson Crusoe took place in a gothic hellscape. Yeah. Um, and had to make a raft full of dead bodies. Had to make a raft full of dead bodies. It's There's some grim stuff going on. Um, there's layers within layers. It is considered to be the first great postmodernist comic book. Um, it is the first great postmodernist comic book, Michael. And you told me something before this began. You told me that it became the first ever... The bloody graphic novel, Ben. Bloody graphic novel. The term graphic novel was coined by the literary elites to... To deem what this was, because we couldn't call it a comic book, Michael. It's not a comic book. Because comic books are beneath us, so this is something new. Imagine it's the 80s, Ben, and I'm a literary man from the New York Times. And I'd I'm like, you're an awful prick. Oh, hello. Uh, well, uh, people from New York in the 80s, but who are posh? They spoke like Kelsey Grammer, didn't they? Yeah, they all speak like Kelsey Grammer. That was uh, more. That's you've done Charles Xavier. I've done well. It's a little bit like that. We've gone well. a little bit into Sirian McKellen as well. Now, when I was a young lad, of course, we'd always have the sailors around, and we'd all, you know, we'd always just have a little tug, please. He's just an innocent little tug, really. <laughs> oh, the tugs. Where, oh. where are we? <laughs> yes, they coined the term graphic graphic novel. novel yes to describe it they said it's not so much a comic book as a graphic novel and then Ian McKellen came in and said talk anyone and then they said in those tossed salads and scrambled eggs they're calling again because uh, they couldn't say uh, comic Michael because that was beneath them so they came up with a new term graphic um, novel then. graphic novel and to be fair that's that's a term that's gotten me a lot of flack over the years, Michael. I wish they'd never invented it. Yeah, because you're always saying, I read graphic novels. I read graphic novels. Don't read, don't read comics. Because um, I want to get laid, Michael. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, it's good though, isn't it? Um, ben, tell us a little bit about the origin of it, because I'm sure you know that story. Yeah, so, um, basically, Alan Moore was putting this idea around for years he, he just I, I don't actually know the story that you're referring to so you're going to have you know, to help me out here um, Alan Moore was putting this idea around for years of doing a kind of what happens in a world after superheroes oh okay and he proposed a pitch when DC bought the bought Carlton comics I think that was it yeah and they got the rights to a lot of Carlton characters who were you know reasonably popular characters not huge characters not but huge the likes character. of The Question yeah The Blue Beetle yeah, um, Blue Beats. The Blue Beats. The other guy, Booster Gold. Booster G. Is Booster Gold one of them? He Booster was, G. Yeah, no, yeah. he is. Yeah, he's uh, he's in that hole. They kept them together. Those those three characters have worked together continuously through um, continuities. Booster Gold and Ted Captain, Cord, Captain Atom, Blue Beetle. Yeah, and the so what Alan Moore did was he proposed a a a, a comic book about their world in a kind of. 1980s Reagan-esque hellscape. No, not Reagan-esque. What's the other guy? Uh, Nixon-esque. Nixon-esque hellscape. That's the I fe- am that's, not a crook. That's the fella. Yeah. And DC said, well, look, Alan Moore, we like what you've done here with this plot. It's a very interesting story. Be good. But we can't really do that with these new characters we've just acquired. That's because we want to put them into main continuity. Yeah, that's not what we want to do with these characters. So look, you can do that comic, you mad, mad wizard no, bastard. Norfolkian yeah. bastard. <laughs> but... Just reimagine the characters ever so slightly. You wizard prick. So instead of bloody Blue Beetle, we got the Night Owl. The Night Owl, who's very Blue Beetle now that you say it. Oh my He's goodness, yeah. I didn't know this at all. Did you not know that? This is a fascinating, this is a um, fascinating little thing. Oh my God, the rather question, than Rorschach, the question oh is, God. Jesus Christ, Ben, how did you oh not God. know this? <laughs> it's just, it has literally just clicked for me. I've just gone, oh my God, <laughs> the whole thing makes sense now. Yeah, see? Holy shit, Doesn't it all make sense? Um... 
so yeah, yeah that's, that's that's the kind of origin of where where it sprung forth. I didn't know it at all, Michael. Yeah. Thank you. It was kind of you could almost look at it as you know the famous comic book Ben Kingdom Come. Yes. You could look at it as a Kingdom Come for the Carlton comic book universe. Totally, they're very similar. Better art in one than other, obviously, but it's 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 apples and pears. They're two different things. They're very closely related, yeah. phylogenetically, apples and pears. I don't yeah. know if you know that. Uh, no, I didn't, Michael. Just, just, you keep your recovering biology to yourself. Apples, apples and oranges might be a better analogy. Apples and oranges. Although they are also, yeah, apples and pears might be good because they are both from DC. They're both comic books about the end of a superhero. Yeah, no, Look, no, apples and uranium cores. Let's, yeah. let's do it that way. Um, unless those are closely related in some form that I didn't know. But uh, look, I think in a modern context, Michael, it's, it's very divisive as a piece of art. I certainly loved the comic when I originally read it. I begged my dad to take me to the bookshop in the Nut Grove to pick it up before the movie came out. The Nut Grove? In the you nut, say the Nut the Grove. Nut Grove. <laughs> it's not called the Nut Grove. No, but it's in the, in the, in the podcast tradition, Michael, we'll okay, say right, that okay. before things right, quite a lot. Okay, yeah. Nut Grove Shopping Centre here. Yeah. A couple of people listening know exactly what that is. <laughs> Other people don't. And they're like, what the fuck is a Nut Grove? What's a Nut Grove? <laughs> it's Dublin's premier shopping centre. Anyway, there was a comic book shop there and I went to pick it up because... A the, comic book shop in the Nut Grove? No, it was a bookshop that had it. Um, and I went to see... I wanted to see it before I went to see Zack Schneider's film when it came out. I was about 15, 14. I In guess. 2009? No, I was 17. 17. <laughs> 17. Still, young enough for it to be a formative experience. I hadn't really cut my teeth on comic books all that much. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to go see um, this. And then I asked my dad to take me to see the film. And the way I sold my dad on seeing the film was, oh, Bob Dylan's in the soundtrack. And oh, Leonard yeah. Cohen's in the soundtrack. And oh, he's yeah. like, oh, come on, so... And yeah, he took no, me to he, see it. He was. And he came oh, out and uh, he said, oh, I don't know if I'll go see another one of those with your son. It's a bit long for my dad. Um, but he gave he gave it socks. Look, he gave it socks. So, Ben, the comic, do people like it? Uh, well, as I said, Michael, very divisive. But I put that out to our, our listeners on... Listeners. Our listeners who engage with us on Instagram. Yeah. And we had two... Uh, very strong opinions, Michael. Strong opinions but are good opinions. opinions. Oh. Good opinions, Michael. All right, Trump, can um, Great opinions. The best opinions, okay? If this Dr. Manhattan guy's out there, he's a good guy, best guy, close personal friend. Um, oh, fucking hate that guy. Um, Dr. Manhattan? Yeah, he's a tosser. <laughs> he's just, I mean, his biggest flaw is he's easily manipulated. Very easily swayed, Michael. Mm-hmm. The Joe Rogan. Of course, <laughs> superhero comics. Very good. I would listen to Dr. Manhattan's podcast. Um, it's all pointless, Have you Michael. guys ever seen a jacked orangutan? <laughs> Jamie, pull that up. It doesn't matter. I can already see it. I can already see it. The The number of molecules in a jacked orangutan is the same as a normal orangutan. But you place so much value in a jacked orangutan. Interesting. Why is that? Um, Infinity Action Art says, It would have been interesting to have read it when it came out. But I don't think it holds up. Uh, I don't think it holds as much ground as it once did because it's been copied and inspired by a lot. Uh, it's been copied and has inspired a lot of work after. Well, it's a very good point, isn't it? An excellent point, my friend of the podcast guy. Um, Infinity Action Art. That's his real name. Probably shouldn't have revealed that. Um, what was I saying? Um, we're just saying it's an interesting point. I don't know if he's read it. Um, well, I, I, I don't know if he's read it either. I think he says. I think he's saying that it would have had a lot more shock value. Had he read it when it came out. Now, um, I'm going to side with him here because I read it having not really read that many comic books. I wasn't as well versed in comic books when I was 17 yeah, as I am now. didn't even know who Bloody now. Blue Beetle was. I didn't even know. Um, so it did impact me quite a lot when I read it. I was like, oh, this is a, a brand new. This is, this is, this is mature 
Mm. It's it's a little bit like Ian McKellen who used to run down the docks as a young man. You know, there's some oh, grungy wow. stuff going around. Uh, quick tug here and there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tugboats. We're talking about tugboats, Michael, because that's mm. what US marine ships used to oh, get yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, tight yeah, ports. Yeah. Tight ports. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was a watershed moment when it came out, most definitely. And it's been copied even by Alan Moore, who went on to do things like Top 10. Top 10. Which is basically Watchmen if everyone had superpowers. There's also the fact that so many comics now are, are deconstructions of the superhero genre. Yeah, I mean, Image Kingdom Comics Come makes its bread and butter yeah. of deconstructing the superhero genre. More more comics deconstruct the superhero genre now than just are the superhero genre. It's because the superhero genre is a bit dead. I mean, you and I have talked about them multiple times in the podcast. Invincible is a good example of a deconstructed superhero really genre. Dumb. Black Hammer. Black Hammer. Which uh, we read all the time here at the podcast. Immortal Hulk is a deconstruction of the superhero genre. Brand new style of yeah. deconstruction. Everything's I mean, a deconstruction of the superhero genre now. Just, just sitting here, Michael. The authority is there. The planetary is yeah. there. Um, Basically, what Watchmen did was change the comic book industry from being a superhero industry to a deconstruction of the superhero industry. In fact, now very often when we read something that is superhero friendly, we kind of write it off as twee and pointless if it doesn't have some kind of shocking what's the deconstruction? twist. Yeah, what, what's the angle? Where's the deconstruction? Where's the deconstruction at? And then uh, from that cynical viewpoint, Michael, we had Go another on. comment from frequent contributor to the podcast, Nine Wassies, mm-hmm. um, who said, Stonehold... Stone Cold Classic, dated, but isn't everything during the Cold War. Having never loved superheroes and deconstruction of them um, is more interesting than anything else ever tried. Gibson's panels are just crammed with so much detail, as is Moore's story, that it stands up against any of the 80s novels about the state of the US. It was never meant for everyone. Not even for the non-comic readers who jumped on the bandwagon and coined the phrase graphic novel. Yeah. Ooh, topical. Um, it didn't make comics respectable, but it opened up the mainstream wing of the industry to experimentation. I doubt a Marvel editor would allow something like the immoral... He, he misspelled here, which I quite enjoy. The immoral Hulk. Yeah. I assume he means the, the immortal Hulk. He'll cheat on his wife. Uh, oh, bloody immortal. Immoral yeah. Hulk. Yeah. Oh, such a finger wagon that he gets now and then from General Ross. Oh, oh banner. You, you cheeky... Bad blow. <laughs> nihilistic camp um, to exist without the excess of uh, Watchmen and he says I'll stop now um, but Nine Wassies don't stop don't that was stop. a great look and defence of the comic as a thing I think it's a very good comic Ben um, well it just coincides with exactly what you thought yourself Michael um, Nine Wassies comment echoes your own thoughts there it does echo a lot of my thoughts Ben I do kind of agree with most of what Nine Wassies has said there and I do know Nine Wassies wrong name thing. but I'm not going to say it um, it's, it's held up very well Michael I, I gave it a flick before we gave it a read again Um Centrally speaking, as you said, a Nixon-esque hellscape has, has taken place. It could just as easily have been a Reagan-esque hellscape. Um, well, was Reagan a liberal or a, or a conservative? He was a Republican. Was he? He was a Republican. Which one's that? Uh, conservative. Conservative. Uh, the term Reaganomics comes from him, Michael. Um, Reaganomics definition. Make those companies go loco. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and he was kind of the man responsible for... Murdering the lower classes in America. Ah, that's your opinion, Ben. Uh, anyway, no, that's history's and economics. Speaking opinion. of whether things have uh, held up or not, Ben, I watched <laughs> apropos of this the 2009 film Watchmen. Should we explain the basic plot for people who haven't read Watchmen? Surely anyone who's listening to this episode probably knows Watchmen. Okay, Ben, run us through the very basic plot. So the bare bones plot is. Um, we exist in a disenchanted world. No, we've already done that. Where superheroes are running things. Need the setting. And what we do is we pick up with a couple of characters who are, up to are good. building their new identities. 
post uh, vigilantism. Two of the ones you've mentioned earlier are Night Owl and Silk Inspector. Silk Spectre. Version 2. Her nipples on that action figure are very prominent, Michael. They are. Good. Silk Spectre, not Good. Silk Inspector. Silk Spectre, sorry. Silk Inspector has a whole new level of meaning to it. Um, Silk Spectre. Silk and Floss is the character you're thinking of. She's from the... the she was Scarlett Johansson in The Spirit. The Spirit. Awful film. No good. Uh, no good. Anyway, those particular characters are kind of catching up here now and then. Um, it turns out that his mentor, the Night Owl's mentor, has been murdered, the original Night Owl. Um, I think you got this a bit backwards. Have I got it backwards? Yeah. Okay, you go. Well, the comedian is killed. The comedian is... Oh, yeah. That's what okay. starts the plot. The character called the comedian... Well, a man is killed, and we find out that he was a masked superhero then, and whoever killed him must have been very skilled. Very. And perhaps they killed him because they were trying to get revenge on all of the former vigilantes. Yes, it's originally thought to be a conspiracy against vigilantes. Who are now outlawed. Yes. So one character, Rorschach, who's a mentalist. Screw loose. He's got a screw loose. He would probably type libtard on a computer had computers been around. Did I ever tell you the story of how our friend Jim dressed up as Rorschach one Halloween and frightened the hell out of everyone? It's a spooky costume. He did. Well, we made it the day before Halloween. Did he do full Rorschach? Like, did he? He went totally this. He talked like that. We were in a bar and he saw people dressed up in Halloween costume versions of Batman and all of his villains. And he went over. And Jim isn't the tallest man in the world. So, I mean, a very good choice for Rorschach. Physically imposing. Because Rorschach is uh, supposed to be about 5'6". He's weedy. And I wouldn't say that, Jim. He'll rip your arms off. Not Jim. (laughs) (laughs) So Jim went up and he tapped the Batman on the back of, on his shoulder. And Batman turned around and Jim said to him, a real vigilante doesn't associate with criminals. Nice. <laughs> and the Batman guy just looked at him like, what? He's like, you're a disgrace. <laughs> and then he walked off. <laughs> oh, God, that poor Batman. Yeah, it was Scarred. Funny. It was very good. Scarred so anyway, life. Ben, um, Rorschach investigates this murder and it turns out that it's a much deeper conspiracy dun, dun, dun. involving the Watchmen, a group of retired costumed heroes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it takes a lot of... Uh, the deconstruction starts there. We see a, a Bruce Wayne, Tony Stark kind of parallel in Adrian Voigt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has become a billionaire. He's basically just used his super intelligence and Olympian physique to... Become make the world a better place yeah. yeah become the world's richest man and, and do that kind of thing um, and then we see the traditional vigilantes in Silk Spectre and, and Night Owl and kind of what they've gotten up to after all that a sexy time a sexy time Dr. Manhattan the world's only superpowered being has yeah. completely disrupted the economy ruined everything um, blue, very political figure big blue dong taking place in the Vietnam War yeah. uh, the comedian worked alongside him in the Vietnam War the comedian went from being uh, kind of a violent vigilante to a bit of a Punisher type character, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and a government spook. To a, a government wetworks agent yeah. um, that does the dirty jobs that nobody wants to do. He's the one who killed Kennedy. Yeah, he's a very dangerous man. Mm. Um, very dangerous man. A lot of people still fear the comedian and what he might do. So who managed to beat him up and throw him out the window? And that's, that's the, the big mystery. question because that's he used mystery. to be the big bad. Mm. He was the big bad wolf that came to your door and you'd be like, oh, tits. So, so Zachary Schneider, Ben, yeah. released a film in 2009. Bloody Zach Schneider. To... Much excitement and anticipation. One of the first big superhero films, I guess. One of the first of... I mean, around, this is 2009, so it's around the time of Iron Man. And the special effect, it's before Iron Man. Iron Man was 2008. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Wasn't it? Never mind, you're absolutely yeah, right. I'm thinking of Avengers. Yeah, it was around the time of Iron Man. But okay. it feels to me like it was longer ago than Iron Man for whatever reason. It does feel pre-Iron Man. 
it, it was such a, a big endeavour as well in terms of CGI. And that's the thing. And also the fact that really the Marvel Cinematic Universe style of superhero movie storytelling hadn't solidified yet. It, it I think it was... It yeah, it, this was only after Iron Man and possibly The Incredible Hulk. Oh, God. So they were the only two that oh would God. come out. And, and then this came out. And this was a huge movie. Um, not a massive financial success. Made about no, two million, so. I think, at the box office. I think it was a borderline financial failure. And a critical... the d- d- Real division, yeah. critically. The, the general public didn't really like it. It's too meta. Too meta, too long. People said too confusing. Having probably the greatest end to a sex scene in cinematic history. Yeah, well, you know, where floating flamethrowers, Leonard Cohen, are, are a win. Was that Leonard Cohen? No, it's Hallelujah. Yeah, it's the Leonard, Leonard Cohen song. Is that the Leonard Cohen yeah. version? Yeah. Is it? It is, unless they use the Rufus Wainwright version. I don't know, I don't know which version they use. Uh, yeah, but it's Leonard Cohen's song, anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's an odd film. I, Ben, downloaded it. Legally. Legally. This week. For we the want podcast, some high quality. To watch it in high quality. And I accidentally downloaded the extended director's cut. You poor man. This, this is what we're talking about, the Snyder cut. Three hours and 40 minutes. Including, Ben, all of the extent, not including the extended material behind the scenes with the, the Minutemen. Yeah, right. I didn't watch that. I didn't yeah. bloody have time. Ladies and gentlemen, I know a podcast is not a visual medium, but if you could watch a man unravel. (laughs) It's very long, but I think, Ben, it is a seminal superhero film. Great film. It is a great film. It's an incredible adaptation of the material. There are some changes. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the Rorschach hating homosexuals was... Well, he doesn't ever. He never Necessary. says I hate. I don't think it was in the comic. I don't remember. I don't know. That tone is not established in the comic. But he definitely doesn't like liberals. Bloody libtards. Yeah. He'd, Rorschach would do great today. He would have his own podcast. He yeah. would be an Infowars style guy. He'd be amazing. Um, um, the costumes are changed, obviously. Yes. You can say what you like about Zack Snyder, Ben. Um, look, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. Right. But... He does design a good costume. He's good at costumes. The Night Owl costume is excellent. Very realistic. Very realistic. But not too realistic that it takes you out of it. No, it's it's a great costume. It yeah. looks fantastic. Yeah. All of the costumes look great. Rorschach's looks suitably homemade. Rorschachy. Yeah, looks suitably homemade and grimy and gross. Night Owl's looks suitably like a Batman of that universe. Yeah. Silk Spectre's looks suitably like it was designed by her mother to make her sexy. Which is just which is yeah, but it is weird. But that's the relationship she has. Her mother is weird. Yeah, her mother is a bit of a, a chancer. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. The costumes are great. The character designs are great. All of the acting is good, except arguably Malin Ackerman, who I don't. Which one is Malin Ackerman? Malin Ackerman is Silk Spectre. Yeah, she's not great. I don't rate her as an actress, to be honest. I think. But Jeffrey Dean Morgan. What a what a what a great term for me. All the actors there were relatively unknown. No at stars. That time. No stars. No, no big stars. names. Patrick Wilson as arguably the lead. Night Hollywood's out. Hollywood's second leading man, Patrick Wilson. He's <laughs> oh, kind of a leading man now. Always the, the leading always the leading running mate, never yeah, the leading exactly. man. Exactly. He's always the best friend or the you know the boy or the villain. He's the a villain. good villain. He was or an Aquaman. For anyone wondering who he is, Patrick Wilson is uh, Ocean Master Orm. Orm, the Ocean Master, he's also uh, in the Conjuring movies, isn't he? He's the yeah, lead he's the, the lead movies. in all the Conjuring movies. Um, and Insidious. 
Yeah, yeah, no, they're is all. The dad they're in, all the. You, no, oh no, the they're dad not joined. He's the dad in Insidious and the investigator one. in the yeah. Conjuring or something yeah. like that. Um, so he's doing all right. He's doing fine. Mel Ackerman's doing fine as well. She's been in loads of stuff. Grown ups. Was she in Grown Ups? I don't know. Yeah, she's in, she's in lots of stuff too. Um, but Jackie Earl, Hurl, uh, Jackie Earl Healy was in it as well. Inspired he's Rorschach. As Rorschach. Yeah, just nailed it. Like right across the board. Terrifying. Billy Kudrup is great with his Billy Kudrup is a, is a fantastic uh, detached demigod. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the mask that Rorschach had. I think the special effects in that film were awfully good. They're very good and they hold up and perfectly mask was in, in great. 2019 as well, yeah. which is 10 years down the line. Not every film from t- 10 years ago still looks good. But because it's so stylistic, because they've made such stylistic choices, yeah. it holds up well. Holds up very and well. And Ben... She leaves the boots on during the sex scene. Which is all Michael's ever wanted in a sex scene. So, <laughs> you know. I watched the sex scene again this morning, Ben. And people said it was awkward. It is arguably too long. Look, and a little bit too lingering. If you had a multi-million dollar budget and we let you make a movie, there would probably be a sex scene with boots on. There probably would. Look, let's, Several. Let's be honest. So anyway, it's good. It's a good film. I, I think it holds up well. The ending, of course, is the great controversy. The ending is a controversy for... for okay, so there's, there's a couple of reasons that the ending is a controversy. Let's get into it, Michael. All right, let's get in, Let's get, do a deep dive. In, in, in the comic minutes. book, and spoilers for a comic book that came out in the 1980s, mm-hmm. basically, Adrian Voight is revealed to be the big bad. That's one of the flaws of the movie, is that he is so obviously the baddie. Yeah, because he's just an evil-looking fuck. Because it's Matthew Good, and he's so evil-looking. He's just got an evil face. Mm-hmm. Um, screams Aryan Brotherhood a lot of the time. It's real he weird. just literally screams, Aryan Brotherhood! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I screamed Aryan Brotherhood, and lots of sound panels <laughs> fell off the walls. That was weird. Uh, anyway... We're going to get the wrong listenership this we week. We really are. Um, <laughs> I hope people realise that all of this was in reference to the bloody comic. Anyway. Um, it turns out he's the big bad. Yeah. And what he's trying to do is... Or is he, though? Is he the big good? He, that's the thing. He's a utilitarian. He's really doing good of the many over the good of the few. And he's been orchestrating... What he wants is a mass event to unite the world against a common enemy. And to stop the nuclear holocaust. And the way he's done this in the comic is that he's created an alien yeah uh, a fake, fake alien, alien yeah. that he plans to teleport into the middle of New York City yeah and basically it is a huge terrorist event yeah that will lead to global panic he's got three of them and he's going to put them in three major cities he's going to do New York Moscow I can't remember the third city anyway what he's done is he's poured Time, effort, research into hiring the best artists, geneticists, artists, geneticists, scientists, zookeepers, huge libtard cook conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and basically he pulls it off by the end of the movie. He he gets away with it. The book, Um, the comic book. Sorry, in the comic book, Um, and he transports these alien corpses into the three different cities. Now they're Mm -hmm. dead on arrival, but the whole world is basically meant to unite um, under this. And go, oh, well, we'll have to join together to fight this alien menace in case it ever comes back. In case it comes back, we better not fight each other in case there's aliens. Unfortunately, yeah. while he thinks he's succeeded, yeah. bloody hasn't. Because Rorschach's gone and mailed his bloody journal to a... A conspiracy theory newspaper, so we don't really know. Oh, but That's Michael... good ambiguity Oh, of but it. Michael, we do know, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. How do we know? Oh. Bloody doomsday clock, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Anyway, in the movie, however... I guess Zack Snyder just thought that a giant alien corpse was a bit too far-fetched. Pardon me. 
Um, I don't know if he thought it was too far fetched. I think I think he thought it would be neater to have the big threat come from the thing that people always thought was the big threat, Doctor Manhattan. I quite like. I prefer the movie. So do I. I prefer the movies. I'm sorry. It makes a lot more sense. Internet. That's probably going to get us in more trouble than the things I said earlier when I was being Rorschach. Oh, I don't think so. I think from a narrative point of view... Well, anyway, let me just give a quick synopsis of the movie version. In the movie version, um, Dr. Man- uh, Adrian Veidt builds a thing that mimics Dr. Manhattan's power. And he tricks Dr. Manhattan by pretending it's for making unlimited free energy. Yeah. And Dr. Manhattan steps in, he harnesses the energy, and he nukes, basically, using Dr. Manhattan's power signature mm-hmm. a couple of cities in, around the world. From... You're absolutely right. From a narrative point of view, considering the amount of fear that is built up against Dr. Manhattan, which is something that nobody understands, mm-hmm. um, and he's a one-of-a-kind event, he can't be replicated, it's it's covered extensively in the comic, it makes a lot more sense from a narrative point of view to have him be the big bad. Ties it up into a nice little bow. A lovely little bow. It was a fear that a bunch of people already had, um, and it makes a lot of sense that it, they just lost, he lost control and he disappears. Um, and in fact, he takes the decision to follow Veidt's plan. Yeah. He recognises what Veidt has done as an essential thing for that world's survival. Also, he's been drifting further and further away from humans, so he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't terribly really, care. doesn't actually give a feck. Yeah. Um, and then, Ben, to go back to what we were saying earlier, and I'm sorry to cut across you here, that's where, this is where the TV show is, this is what we were talking about earlier, yeah. the TV show is following on from the squids. So it's squidsy people. Huh? It's squidsy people. So it's not a sequel to the movie, it's a sequel to the comic book. That's bizarre, isn't it? Isn't it? But said now, choice. which is funny because there's already a sequel to the to the comic book. Yeah, there is. Bloody, I see what you did there. I wish you hadn't done that to me with a pen. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Michael, you you, I'm going to say pranced up to me on frolicked, frolicked up to me Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? I say a Tuesday. Yeah. And you said, "Look, we're doing Watchmen. We're doing the Watchmen new series then. is launched." On HBO on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We won't be able to see it on time, but it doesn't matter. It'll be timely to have this done. Timely. I'll take a look at the film. Like timely I'll comics. take a look at the comic. I'll take a look at the backstory. You read Doomsday Clock. And I went, fuck you. Yeah, you um, said Doomsday Cock. Doomsday Cock. That's what I want to call the episode, but I'm figuring... No, we're going to call it... Uh, we're going to call this episode We Watches the Watchmen. <laughs> That's a very good name for this episode. Because it's on board. grammatically awful. Subtitle, Doomsday Cock. Um... um and so I went and read it, Michael, and comic book companies, Michael, if nothing else, are yeah. money-grubbing whores, um, <laughs> to coin a phrase. And DC wasn't doing that well. Vertigo was struggling at a certain point in 2017. And so what they do, Michael, why don't we rehash a classic? Why don't mm-hmm. we stomp on somebody's grave and really disrupt everything great about that comic and bring it back? Um, and they did that, Michael. Mm. Uh, one of the interesting things, Michael, it, it was launched in 2017 with a stellar cast attached. We had Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Gary Frank is a phenomenal comic book artist, Michael, from top to bottom in terms of anatomy, scale, visual storytelling. Phenomenal piece of work. Jeff Johns is probably DC's he's DC's answer to Michael Bendis before Michael Bendis jumped ship. To DC. Um, to DC. And so they were given this 12-part miniseries where they were going to integrate the world of Watchmen into the new DC Rebirth. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things that happened, Michael, is it was supposed to be a 12-issue miniseries. Um, launched in, in 2017 on a monthly scale, Michael. That means that we, year. we will, of course, have read the entire thing 
by December of the following year. Which has passed. Which has passed. But Michael, yes, man. to date on this podcast, yeah. which is the 20th of August. 20th of October. 20th of October, <laughs> uh, 2019. That bloody series still hasn't wrapped up. It hasn't Michael. wrapped up. It has been plagued. Yeah. Plagued. By locusts. By locusts and poor handling. Um, and it still hasn't wrapped up. But what happens is, Michael, we, we go back into the world of the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And it's feckin' messy. Um, What's going on? It turns out that Rorschach's journal did oh, get did into get the press and was taken seriously. Rorschach's journal. And so all Veidt's hard work mm-hmm. has meant nothing. Oh, God damn it, Rorschach, you son of a bitch. So Veidt's solution to this yeah. is to find Dr. Manhattan. Right. And ask him to come back and balance the scale again. Because he's the only nuclear deterrent that exists. Mm-hmm. But there's been a bloody nuclear holocaust oh, in the wake oh, no. of, of Dr. Manhattan's leaving. And so he resolves to go find this. And one of the interesting things, Michael, is one of the first characters we're introduced to is Rorschach. But wait, Michael. He got evaporated. He got evaporated or vaporized, if you want to use no, the correct evaporated. term. No, evaporated. Yeah, evaporated. He was At liquid. the end of the other one. But it turns out that this new Rorschach. Sublimated, I think, is the actual correct word. Is the son of the original psychiatrist who attempts to deconstruct Rorschach um, in the original 1980s comic. He comes face to face with Nathaniel, and I'm not going to remember his second name, which is bad podcasting on my part. Rorschach gets arrested. Right. Um, and the psychologist in that prison decides to make Rorschach kind of his award-winning case, his mm-hmm. new case study, you know, into the criminal yeah, psyche yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like that. Um, dies horribly. Oh, good. Um, as a result of that, gets his mind broken by Rorschach. You'll remember in a, a very searing bunch of panels. Yeah. Um, his son, Reggie, takes up the mantle of Rorschach uh, Reggie in Rorschach. response to that. And becomes the new Rorschach. Veidt recruits him because he seems to have the same kind of keen intellectual prowess to crack cases that the original Rorschach had. So he uses him to track down two uh, criminals that we never got an introduction to in the first human being juice. Um, They are the marionette and the mime. Marionette Mm -hmm. and the mime. And they're kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde in a Joker style element. Um, Marionette is a mute. He Mm -hmm. doesn't talk. Um, and Mime is, um, I could be mixing those two up, but Mime is his Bonnie. Um, she uses kind of a, an invisible garrote wire to slice up people, and he has an invisible gun and knives that he can kind of manifest. Now, oh, they have superpowers? No, nope. uh, it's done through nanotechnology. That they nanotechnology can is superpowers. Anyway, anyway, they have these little things in their palms that they can activate and use. Oh, okay. Anyway, we follow them. Um, and there's a big mystery with um, the female one of these two because they once came up against Dr. Manhattan and Dr. Manhattan didn't vaporize them like he did most criminals that he came across. Mm. And the reason for that Evaporate. is, we find out a little bit later, the reason for that is he saw that the marionette or the, the girl version of this duo was pregnant. Oh. And because Dr. Manhattan exists in all timelines at all yeah. times, yes, and that's really important, yeah. Dr. Manhattan cannot time travel. No, he, he exists, exists simultaneously yeah. in all timelines at all moments. Yeah. Um, so he is effectively omnipresent, if not omnipotent. No. Which one is it? Neither. What is he? Omni what? Nothing. He's omni nothing. He's he's categorically not omnipresent because he just exists throughout time. He doesn't exist throughout all space. Okay. Like if something happens somewhere that he's not... He doesn't know that it's happened. But basically what we Unless find out... he finds out later. Over the course of these issues, and it's major spoilers now for all these issues... Um, of Doomsday Cock um, <laughs> is that he them, sees man. that that baby yeah. will be born yes 
the two of them will either be murdered or arrested. Right. The baby will be taken away from them and that baby will be adopted by none other than Night Owl and Silk Spectre. Get out of here. And it will give them a happy life. Ah. So he decides yes. to spare her because ah. he's seen that timeline work Isn't out. That good? Now, unfortunately, oh, no. the nuclear holocaust happens and it turns out that those two might be dead as dodos. Oh. They just got wiped out. Um, but the big shock in yeah, this get, is... They get turned into skeletons, like in that famous Almost panel. famously, which you can check out on the uh, on Instagram. The Instagram yeah. I used it this week for our design inspiration. The big twist is that the comedian survived. What? The comedian is brought back in Doomsday Cock. Mucho, no me gusta. Uh, and it turns out that Dr. Manhattan decided to save him. Oh, he saw it happen. Boo. Transported him into the water. And he ends up in the new DC universe because when Dr. Manhattan goes off on his little romp around the universe, he goes yeah. to explore the multiverse at the yeah. end of the original Watchmen. He finds his way to the DC new 52 continuity. Ew. One of the interesting things here, Michael, is it's taken so long to readjust or to write this comic that the new 52 and the rebirth saga has been scrapped yeah. and we've rebooted all over again. Yeah. Um, so it's very messy, Boo. Michael. Um, so the comedian's back and he's tracking down the different elements of the Watchmen universe that have found their way into... The button. The button. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Marionette and Maquette meet the Joker. Look, Michael, it's actually very well written. This is the most annoying thing. It's a great comic if it didn't trample on the grave of Watchmen. <laughs> Boo. It's actually... If they had chosen any other alternate universe with an omnipotent god... I would have been on board because the marionette and the mime are actually a great little addition. They're fun characters to watch interact with the world and stuff like that. But it tramples on the grave of one of the comic book greats, Michael. Boo. Doomsday cock indeed. Don't bring people back. Boo. Yeah, so the bloody comedian comes back. Don't like it. Um, and nobody else does. We don't get to see any. Well, maybe someone else will come back. Oh, Vite is pulling strings and he meets Lex Luthor. He's and a, oh, good. All yeah. this kind of things. But it's just... It's just shoehorning stuff in, Michael. Batman is a key figure because Batman makes sales. Ben, do you, have you seen the trailers for The Watchmen, the new series? Yeah, yeah. There's a nun. Yeah. There's a fellow with a shiny metal head. Kind of a sexy nun. A little bit sexy. A little bit sexy, sexy-esque. There's a, a man with a, a shiny head like C-3PO. Yes, he seems to be some kind of, some uh, sort of some kind of Rorschach. A Rorschach-adjacent interrogator of some kind. Yeah. Then there's the police all wear masks. They all seem to wear Rorschach masks. No, just oh, no, they wear masks. the hood. Yeah, yellow And masks. then other people wear Rorschach masks. Yeah. To conspiracy, anti-conspiracy. I suppose the Infowar is listening demographic. Mm. Or like that eviction on Parnell Square or Mountjoy Square a few years ago. Yeah, that was dodgy. That was dodgy. <laughs> I covered that uh, this week in our, in our job. Um, and yeah, bloody. Yeah, so the, the police seem to have taken, they seem to be stepping outside the law a little bit to deliver some to met out some justice Michael um, there's the nun lady mm-hmm. who who seems to be a tolerated superhero it looks like superheroes are back on the on the menu but they need to be state sanctioned perhaps or, like, or supported yeah, in some like way civil war. it looks like they might be brought in to do some dirty work now and then mm. like if you were to bring in a bunch of lads in balaclavas and have them out of the back of a van in an yeah. untaxed northern reg plate uh, and then have protected by the police oh um so yeah, if you or anyone you know was affected by the Occupy Electric uh, <laughs> Street. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, are you excited about the new Watchmen series? Are you going to watch it? Are you going to watch the Watchmen? We watches the Watchmen. We watches the Watchmen. Oh yeah. Um how do you feel about the bloody comedian being brought back from the dead? I don't like it, it's no good. Who do you um, think would win the fight between Night Hell and the Marvel Comics character the juggernaut? 
Probably night owl. It no, seems to be all you have to do is thing. get the helmet off. Um, do you think that the sex scene in the Watchmen movie was a bit awkward and too long? Too I long? did because I watched it, it in the before? cinema with my papa. Yeah, it was weird. Don't watch it with your dad. <laughs> Don't watch it with your dad. Uh, just tell us what you think, guys. We had a couple of opinions there. Were they interesting? Are you interested in seeing more continuation of the Watchmen universe, or should we just leave it be? Just leave it be. Should we just leave it be. I, I'm looking forward to the series, Ben. I have to say, I am. Jeremy Irons looks like he's going to knock it out of the park. Yeah, as a I'm weird kind of Jeremy Irons esque character. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to the series I have to admit Ben I am looking look we're going to give it a series. watch because it's Damon Lindelof yeah, we did the bloody leftovers we it was bloody good uh, that's it from this week if you want to give us some suggestions I am going on my Hollybops quite soon and we need to do quite a few episodes in a go so really if there's anything you'd like to hear covered on the podcast give us an old topic next week we'll do a spooky Halloween topic special spooky scary Skellington Halloween topic Um let us know if there's anything you'd like to hear covered in the podcast. We'd love to know. You can get in touch with us at seomrabug.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. We're on Instagram. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We could use an L review on Apple Podcasts Stick if you wanted to shove it up. If you enjoy, if you enjoy yes. an L tug with Ian McKellen, give us a review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. That does us a favor as well. And as always, keep tuned. If you're interested in some more literary kind of things, friend of the podcast Shane has recently written us an essay. Throw your eyeballs over that on showmerbuild.com. No, there's a new um, section there. Courtney is in session. And if you'd like anything to be done, Courtney is in session is a great way to find out. If you want a, a humorous take with a bit of substance chuck it on over to Shane that's it from over this week ladies and gentlemen bye bye also check out Collecting Issues our comic book book club www.collectingissues.com